Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Who remembers, who's old enough to remember when Colour TV first came into Australia, 1975? March the 1st, my birthday, thank you. You're welcome. A little gift back to the people of Australia. And um, I remember before, in the lead up to that, there were a lot of test transmissions and there were tests, this and test that. In fact, they had a cricket game at Manuka Oval and they had a colour TV, a colour TV cameras there and uh, a colour TV and I saw colour television. And I thought, wow, this is amazing. It's, it's so real. You know, it wasn't even HD. And uh, it wasn't a, a massive screen either, let alone 4K or whatever they're going to next. And uh, the next door neighbour had was the first person in the street to get a colour TV, so of course I went there to watch Kung Fu every Thursday night in living colour. And I thought it was, it was so real. It was a whole different experience of life. I wasn't a Christian then when I watched Kung Fu, by the way, just for people who are concerned about that. Imagine if you see something that you've always seen one way, but now you see a whole, the same thing in a whole new way. And colour is one of those things. And there are people, and possibly there are some people here today who are colourblind, and uh, now they have developed these glasses that will fix, I think it's 95% of people with colour blindness. And I want to show you an image of the sort of world that people with colour blindness experience. So we have that first image there. All right, so here it comes. Here it comes. There it is. On the right-hand side, imagine living in that world all the time. All you see is sort of hues of, of uh, yellow and blue. Uh, it's pretty much all you see in a bit of grey compared to the way God really has designed it. And probably in heaven there'll be even more colours. Do you have that other image comparing apples with apples, so to speak? There we go. The bottom, imagine seeing that as your choice of apples at the bottom, where you can have a golden delicious or a golden, or you can have a golden. Compared to up the top is the way it's supposed to be. And just give an introduction to what you're going to see. You're going to see people who are given a pair of these glasses. And what they've seen all their lives is suddenly going to change. And if you go onto YouTube, there are lots of these clips, and you'll see that it's a life-changing moment, and in every case, people respond the same way. Okay, let's run this first clip. I think it's of an old gentleman. Let's see if we can get that expanded, and here he goes. He's got the glasses he's about to put on. Daddy, you hate it? Sorry. 
see the balloon color? <laughs> Papa, look at the hat. Oh my God. <laughs> Not too <laughs> All right, we'll have a quick look at it. one more of a younger person, a boy. Looks to be about 10, 11 years old. They all are overwhelmed the beauty of what they're saying. up there imagine that first time you'd ever seen some of those colors and uh, who, who's glad they can see in color when was the last time you had that emotional response to color because we see it every day take it for granted right and uh, so sometimes sometimes we just need to say thanks God for color in my life take it for granted it's so beautiful well, I want you to have an eye-popping moment today. I'm, I pray that there's people today who will have an, an eye-popping moment today. When you see someone who you, perhaps you've seen in a black and white kind of uh, washed out way compared to the reality of who he is. And that is why Paul wrote the book of Colossians. He wrote it so that he would make it very clear who Jesus is actually is because he was given a report from the city of Colossae that there were problems in that church because of what people were saying about Jesus and Paul said hang on I've got to write to these guys they've got it all wrong we can't let that that opinion happen we have to make sure they keep seeing Jesus in full living color the way he deserves to be looked at And that book is in the Bible because the same thing can happen to us. We can forget how glorious He is, how wonderful He is, how supreme He is, how sufficient He is. He is the one. He is the centerpiece. And Paul wanted to make that very clear. We're looking at Colossians this month. Colossae is a city in what is now Turkey. It's about 200 kilometers east of Ephesus. Paul probably never actually went there. He didn't start the church there. He was writing to people he'd just heard about. He'd heard great things about the church. It was a pumping church. It was happening. And then uh, Epaphras, who was the person who uh, witnessed to these guys and, and got many of them saved, God used him to, to bring many to Christ, came to Paul and said, this is what some of the false teachers are saying. If you go to Ephesus now, you'll see a lot of Um, old constructions. If you go to Colossae now, you won't see much because it's all buried. A lot of it is buried underground. You can see, you can make out where the amphitheater used to be. 
uh, and, and a few, and where the Acropolis up on the hill used to be. And there's a few boulders, a few bits of, of construction type rock and so on around, but there's not much there. This book was written about 60 to 62 AD. A couple of years before, there was a massive earthquake that shook Colossae and pretty much never really recovered from that afterwards. But it's important to know that because it wasn't written hundreds of years after Jesus. It was written while people were alive who'd seen Jesus rise from the dead. There were still people there who, who were witnesses to that. And uh, Paul wanted to make sure they didn't forget what had been seen and what the purpose of their lives were to be. Because this book answers two of humanity's greatest questions. Who am I? And why am I here? Colossians does this. So what was the false teaching that was creeping into the church? And again, this is things that can creep into our lives, so it's why it's still important for us to read books like Colossians. Well, the number one false teaching was that there was uh, people who were so fascinated and obsessed with spiritual powers and principalities and angelic realms and all the ranks of angels and and this sort of thing, that they were actually bringing Jesus down to that sort of level, to the angelic sort of level. So they're bringing Jesus down off being not just from God, but God himself. We, We worship the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Jesus is supreme. And they were trying to bring him down and say, well, well, you know, he's pretty powerful and the son of God, you know, but uh, there's other angels that are up there with him and some even maybe more powerful than him. And you can imagine the Holy Spirit urging Paul right about that. And the second false teaching that was happening was that these Gnostics, these people were saying that there's a special source hidden in the secret codes and if you look behind this door and pull that curtain back you're going to see things that uh, we haven't read before in the Bible points to his iPad and all these secret things only come to a select few an elite who are more intelligent than the average Christian and they get the secret source they, they get the code and they get the understanding that most Christians miss the devil can get us to think like that, then he can start to get our eyes off Christ and off the sufficiency of Christ and off the simple message of the gospel, which is exactly where God has placed all the power that we need. All the power and all the authority is, to, is in him. All we need is Jesus in our world. He gives us all the authority that we need over the world that we live in and our lives. Everything comes from him. And we don't look back and say, oh, those silly Colossians. All those people back in 2,000 years ago, they were so silly, they didn't know what was going on. Now, this, we have the same issues face us today. We have the same issues. We have people wanting to bring Jesus down. Oh, he's just a man. Oh, he's just a great teacher. We have some of the uh, uh, so-called Bible institutes around the world have become so diluted that they have taken Jesus down off the throne as well, that he deserves to be on. And the secret knowledge, well, 
it's a human thing. We desire to know, oh, there's some special thing we haven't heard about. There's some secret thing I can find out. If I look at that YouTube clip, there's a whole channel of a whole lot of conspiracy kind of secret stuff for Christians to get into. Look at, the, look at Dan Brown's book, uh, Da Vinci Code. 80 million copies sold in America. That was, there's a lot of people reading the Da Vinci Code. And what was it all about? Oh, there's secrets in the Bible about explained things that have never been explained. It's secret little shapes and things behind the wall. And he pulls back the, the, the curtains and you can see the great mysteries that have been hidden for the ages and all the different relationships that is not mentioned in the Bible. We are just as prone to be sucked into stuff like that as people 2,000 years ago. We like a good story. And sometimes, you know, God says, I've chosen the foolish things of this world to shame the proud, to shame all those people who think they have special knowledge. Here's the simple gospel. But he goes far, much further than that. Listen to this from Colossians 1. I'm jumping right a few verses here. Um, all of Colossians 1 is wonderful, including verses about fruit and uh, being strengthened by his power and always being thankful and so on. But jumping right into Colossians 1 verse 15 and reading from there, he starts off with a punch to the guts. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. God is invisible. He's not light. He made light. And he decided, well, I'm going to make myself visible And the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to come as a human being. And he's going to be me in the flesh. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. You can see he's he's speaking. Often in these verses in Colossians, he's saying, look, the angels are created. All the principalities and powers and authorities that you're talking about, they're all under Jesus. He is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. Jesus, you cannot give Jesus too much glory. He is God. He is God. And this is the answer right here, that, that's, that verse. Everything was created through him and for him. There's the answer to humanity's two top questions. Who am I? I'm made by Jesus. Leanne, Jesus made you. Jordan, Jesus made you. Jesus made you. Matthew, Jesus made you. Come on, let's all just say quietly to ourselves, Jesus made me. When we get to heaven and look in his eyes, we'll be looking in the eyes like Pinocchio looking in Giuseppe's eyes. Geppetto. Oh, Giuseppe was his uncle. He looked in Giuseppe's eyes and says, where's Geppetto? looking in Geppetto's eyes to see his creator. Jesus' eyes are the eyes of our creator. I was made by Jesus. 
He designed me. He designed you. He loves you. You are his creation. All things are made by him. And then they're made for him. What is the meaning? Why am I here? I am here for him. My purpose in life is for him. So I was made by him. You know, you can tell the value, something is valuable based on who made it. When uh, Picasso was given a piece of serviette, he could turn a two-cent piece of serviette into a 10,000-pound, whatever the franc, wherever he was living at the time, work of art. In fact, there's a story about a, a, a manager of a restaurant asking, slipping a serviette, saying, oh, could you, if, if you draw something on there, then we won't worry about the bill for the dinner tonight. So he drew something on there, and then the manager said, can you sign it? And Picasso said, I'm only paying for dinner. I'm not buying the restaurant. <laughs> You've got Jesus' signature on you. We've got Jesus' signature on us. We are automatically valuable because we are a multi, multi, multi-billion dollar work of art by the greatest artist and creator in the universe. There's no amount of success or fame or achievement or anything that you can do that can trump the value you automatically have simply because you're made by Him. He made you. You have value. That is who you are. I am a child of the King. I am made by the King. I am a precious work of art to Him. Before I've done anything, before Jesus did anything, God said, you are my son, and I am well pleased in you. And our purpose, when we say, what am I here for? Our purpose is that whatever our skill set is, maybe we're gifted to build things and get into construction. Maybe we're gifted with money. Maybe we're gifted with administration. Maybe we've got a skill set of education. Maybe we've got a skill set of medication and caring for other people. Whatever our skill set is, we do it for him. We do it for him. Lord, I'm going to work today for you. I know these people pay me, but I know it's actually from you. And I'm working for you. Everything I'm doing is for Jesus. Every single thing. If we have a good job, it's to be enjoyed for him. If we have a good salary, it's to be invested for him. If we have good health, it's to be used for him. Do we have a family? It's all the members are for him. If we're planning to move, it should be for his glory. If we are thinking about a career change, it's for his purposes. That's who we are. Our purpose is to know him and grow in our knowledge of him and to learn about all the mysteries that are hidden in him. And so let's read on that verse 18. So up to 17, it's all about Jesus has created everything. And then in 18, it says, Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He's the beginning, the supreme over all who rise from the dead. He's the first in everything. He's the first to conquer death. We'll be following him. He's the first to rise again. He's the first to come out of hell. He's the firstborn of all creation. He's the first member of the church. 
which is his body. Verse 19, for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. The fullness of God was in him. When we think of Jesus, sometimes we can think of the movies we've seen of Jesus when he was on earth. But he's not meek and mild anymore. He is the conquering king. He is the supreme king of kings. And when he comes back, it'll be a great day for those who are his followers, but it'll be a terrible, horrible day for everybody else who's rejected him. Joel, the book of Joel, talks about the day of the Lord as an awesome and terrible thing. Who can survive it? You know, we think of Jesus as that shepherd, that carpenter who, who walked around everywhere. Well, he won't be walking anymore. He won't need to walk anymore. In fact, listen to this description of him when he was transfigured. About eight days later, Jesus took Peter, John, and James up on a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was transformed. His clothes became dazzling white. And suddenly, two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared and began talking with Jesus. They were glorious to see. They were in a state of glory. Right now, Jesus is in a state of glory. And in the transfiguration, he gave them just a little... You want to see what I'm really like? Here's the door open. There you go. That's enough for now because that's going to be enough for you to know and to carry you on to start my church. Revelation chapter 1, verses 10 and 12 to 18, it says, John says, It was the Lord's day and I was worshipping in the Spirit. That's what we do here. We worship in the Spirit. We worship with our hearts, not just our minds, but we also engage our minds. Suddenly I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet blast. And when I turned to see who was speaking to me, that was a voice. It wasn't a trumpet. It was like a trumpet, but it was a voice like a trumpet. It's not quiet Jesus in heaven. I saw seven gold lampstands and standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His hair, head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in, in his right hand and a sharp two-edged sword came out of his mouth. And his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. That's who we follow. We follow the King of kings. We follow the Lord over life and death. He made us and he will be there at the end of our days as well. And for eternity, and it'll take that long for us to figure out everything about him. That, that quiet Jesus is no more. He is in all power and authority and glory. Is that how we view him every morning when we say, good morning, Lord, dear God? When we're worried about our loved ones, when we're worried about our country, when we're worried about whatever we're worried about, do we remember Jesus, how great he is? How, let, let's let our mind explode. Let's expand our view of Jesus. You can never expand it enough. 
you, we need to keep expanding our view of Jesus every day. Every year, our view of Jesus should be more all-consuming. We should have, he should move more and more into center view and, and expand. He must increase and we decrease. Verse uh, I should also just refer back to the fact that Jesus holds everything together. He holds us together. He put us together and he holds us together. And then verse 19, uh, as I said, God in his fullness was pleased to live in Christ and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with ev- everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Not only did Jesus make creation, he's now making a new creation. So he made all of creation, and now he's making all the new creation, which is his church, which are people being born again, which is people coming into Christ, and Christ coming into them. And he would like that to happen to every single person. I was made by Jesus, and I was made for Jesus. And then Paul slams them one more time in verse 26. I haven't been keeping track of time, so it's all okay? Oh, the timer is working. We've got five minutes. Okay, fantastic. Okay, just settle down, everybody. Okay. Verse 26, 27, 28, and so on. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for Gentiles too. So Paul says, are you guys into mysteries? You guys into secret codes? You want to know the secret source? You want to pull back the the curtains and see what's really behind the scenes? I'll tell you what the mystery is. The mystery is the greatest mystery that has ever been mystified. He says God's been keeping this a secret since time began. This great mystery that he's kept hidden. And now he has revealed And it says this, and this is the secret. Christ lives in us. The hope of glory. That person who is beyond description, that person who is so beautiful that all we will do is fall down in front of him and say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. You're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy. Please forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. When we get a view of him, we respond like those guys we saw in the video. Overwhelmed. Christ in us. Colossians 2, 3 is stealing from your chapter next week. Just a tiny bit. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. God, in his wisdom... He said, I'll give these guys a mystery to unpack. I've been doing playing Riven. Everyone playing Riven? Uh, it's computer games like Myst. Okay, get into it, guys. Come on. It's like a computer game, which is an escape room, right? You arrive somewhere, you don't know what to do, and you have to figure it out. And it's like God has made this world an escape room, and he's put a mystery built into the fabric of this world. And Paul says, this is the mystery. This is the secret. You can have God in you. You can have Christ in you. 
we don't need any new prophecy or any new email or some new teaching or some book comes out and says, oh, I found out this great secret that no one's ever known. We don't need any of that stuff. All we need is to keep unpacking Jesus, keep unpacking Jesus, keep unpacking him. God, there's parts of my life that I haven't given you access to. Come into those. I Open this up. Show me what you can do in this part of my world. And then he says, finally, in verse 28, So we tell others about Christ. He says... We don't tell them about all this other guff. We tell others about Jesus. That's what we do. And that's what you and I do. He's the one we talk about. Yeah, but, you know, I know that you're thinking about UFOs, but what about Jesus? Yeah, I know you're worried about the end times and all of the signs and the wonders and all that, but what about Jesus? I know you're concerned about climate change and everything else, but what about Jesus? Jesus is the one you're looking for. Whatever the circumstances, he's been historically, whether there's been a great civilization or a collapse of a civilization, Jesus has been the one who's remained constant all the way through. And the message of Jesus is the same today as it was 2,000 years ago, that if we turn to him, if we open up our heart to him, if we see him and behold his glory, he will come into our hearts and change us and we can have him on the inside of us. What a wonderful, wonderful message. Jesus is supreme. Jesus is all we need. And that is what the book of Colossians was written for. And uh, Paul warns them about things uh, next week when we're talking about chapter 2 and 3 and 4 in the weeks that come. There's a lot more to unpack. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au. We hope to see you in church again this weekend.